Not everyone's comfortable visiting a cemetery, but cemeteries are fascinating places. If you think about it, they're filled with history, and not just history. There's also a lot of mystery that's attached to a cemetery. One of the distinctive features of most cemeteries are the headstones or the markers. Each one tells a unique story about a life that was lived. You know, when you think about cemeteries, it reminds us of our own immortality, doesn't it? And when we think about our immortality, we think about the things that we cannot control. For instance, I can't control the day I'm born, and I probably can't control the day that I'll die. But there is a part of my life and your life that we can control, and that's what our series is all about. Let me show you what that part is. It's called the dash. It's the part of our life that we can control. I'm here by a marker representing the life of Mary. Mary was born in 1817 and passed away in 1896. And between those dates is the dash. Someday, you and I are going to pass away if the Lord does not come back and take us home. And when we pass away, they're probably going to put a marker to represent our lives, and there'll be a dash there as well. What will that dash represent? Will it represent a life that was lived to its fullest? Will it represent a life that made an impact and a difference? There's so many people today that take their lives for granted. In this series, One Month to Live, we're going to ask the question, how would I live my life if I only had 30 days left to live? And I'm going to share with you some outstanding principles that will help you and I learn to live each day to its fullest, to maximize our lives, so that if the Lord doesn't return before we pass away, when we pass away, it'll be said of us, she, he, lived their life to the fullest, to the glory of God. It's kind of a humbling thing when you think about the fact that your life and my life gets reduced down to just a couple of dates and a dash in between them. You know, life, when you really think about it, is short. And the hourglass reminds us that as soon as we're conceived, actually, our life begins to fade away. And then soon, it's gone. Now, there are a lot of things that you and I cannot control. For instance, you cannot control the day that you're going to be born. You can't control when you'll be born. You can't control who your parents will be. And you certainly cannot control the culture and the time. You can't even really control when you die. The fact is, all of us are going to die sooner or later. Life Time for you and for me on the hourglass is honestly running out. But God has given us the capacity to be able to control to some degree how the dash proceeds, how we live that little in-between time between when we're born and when we die. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who waste that time. And they just kind of exist. They don't do what I call really live what's so sad about that is they get to the end of their life and then they are filled with regret. In this series, you and I are going to explore how to live our lives to make the most out of every day. And the way we do that is by asking the question, what would my life be like? How would I live my life if I only had one month left? If I only had 30 days left? See, I believe that if you and I could learn to live our lives as though we only had a month left to live every day of our lives till we die, our lives would be radically different. And I'm going to guess the lives of people around us would be equally changed as well. 
So let's get started this morning. I want to ask you to take your Bibles out, and we're going to look at the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. So if you'd open your Bibles up to that passage of Scripture, and I encourage you to bring your Bibles for every weekend that we worship together here, and especially during this series. I want you to listen to the words of our Lord Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Here's what he says. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, who's the thief? It's referring to Satan, right? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, that's Jesus, that they may have life and have it to the full. Why don't you read that with me from the New Living Translation? Let's read it aloud together. The thief's... Do you see the difference there? Satan wants to destroy your life. He's a thief. He wants to take. But Jesus is not a thief. Jesus is a giver. And he wants to give us life. But he doesn't want to just give us life. He doesn't want us to just exist. He wants to give us life to the what? Life to the full. A full and satisfying life. Right now, if I were to ask you what kind of life you're living Could you look at me and say, Pastor Dale, I am living a full and satisfied life. I'm going to guess there are some of us in this room this morning or in the balcony who would say, that's not me. I'm not living a full and satisfied life, and I want to do that. Then this series is for you, because we're going to talk about how to do that as though we only had 30 days left to live. Now, what I want to do is I want to take you on a tour of the series throughout November. I'm going to share with you what we're going to talk about each weekend. And then every weekend we'll unpack that more. So take your sermon outlines out. And I want you to write this down. The very first principle we're going to look at next weekend. Make sure you're here and invite a friend to come. Is this. Write it down. Jesus lived passionately. Because this whole series is based on how Jesus lived. We want to live how he lived. And he lived passionately. Every moment counted for him. And I want every moment to count for you and me. Turn over to 1 John in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5, where we come across some very profound words and verse 11. Here's what it says. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. Isn't that good news? I mean, that is the good news, right? God has given you and God has given me eternal life. And this life is is in his son. So eternal life is linked, is connected to Jesus Christ. Having Jesus means having eternal life. And then he goes on, he says, whoever has the son has life. If you have Jesus in your life, you have hope, you have eternity in your soul. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. If I were to ask you this morning, if you had eternal life, how would you answer me? If you know that Jesus Christ lives in you, you have eternal life because he is eternal life. He has infused his Holy Spirit's presence into you and to me. If you're here this morning, though, and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, and you're going to have an opportunity to do that at the end, you don't have eternal life. Or if you're unsure, I don't want you to live unsure. Jesus said, verily, verily, if I said this to you, that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. And, And as he walked this earth, He infused his life into so many people of all sorts of backgrounds, 
with all kinds of issues of concern, when they encountered Jesus, if they would just yield their life to him, he gave them hope. He infused eternal life into them. And you and I are his ambassadors as followers of Jesus. We're his ambassadors on this earth. And there's a sense in which God has enabled us to pass on that eternal life by sharing him and showing him to others as well. And the enemy, Satan, wants to distract us from that mission. In fact, he wants to distract the whole world from eternal life. And he offers a counterfeit life. It's like a buffet that he puts out there. When you walked in, did you see the cookies and stuff out there? Are there any left? Oh, okay. You saw them out there, right? Well, afterwards, you can go out there and just pig out on sugar, right? And just have a great time with that, all right? And it'll prepare you for lunch a little later on, okay? And... Uh, I suppose we should have put carrots and broccoli and things like that out there. But that wouldn't be any fun, would it? Well, you know, Satan kind of creates a buffet in the world that's very attractive. And he says to us, this is life. Success is life, young people. Success is life. That's what he says. Sex, that's life. Ooh, yeah, sex, that's life. Or uh, trophies, that's life. Or climbing the corporate ladder, that's life. Or or um, being famous, or being well-liked, or being in the media. That's, that's life. And he gets us chasing after all that stuff, materialism, that's life, to distract us from the one who is the ultimate source of life. He, he twists our mind, he dims our vision, he blurs our eyes, and we, and we look at what isn't life as though it were. In fact, Satan's favorite word is tomorrow. Because, you know, we feel guilty once in a while, and we think about God. And Satan just says, you know what? Enjoy life today and, 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 and worry about God. Get serious with God when? Tomorrow. You know, he gets us thinking about our problems. And we, we convince ourselves, I got all these problems and, and I just have to work through them. And someday when all my problems are over, then tomorrow I'll be happy. Or I think of families. I think of moms and dads who think, you know, I've got to earn all this money now. I've got to work really hard now. And, and then someday, tomorrow, I'll be with my kids. Or i got to get this promotion today. I've got to climb the ladder. I've got to go, go, work, work, work. And if I get that promotion, then tomorrow, I'll be satisfied. And, and I tell you what, it's, it's so deceptive. Because by the time you get to tomorrow, it's, it's over. That's why Jesus' favorite word is not tomorrow, but what? Today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to start living and start living in accordance with the truth and start living in in mind with eternity and start living to make a difference and and to make a change. Live today. Because listen, folks, time goes by so fast. And it's tomorrow and it's too late. And I was reminded of of that this uh, last couple of weeks in my own in my own journey, I went down. Um, oh, let me see. I went down a couple of weeks ago to celebrate my mom's uh, 80th birthday. I think I told you about that. And, you know, I told you last weekend she made me. She and my dad are diabetic, and she made me all kinds of baked goods. It's her love language. All right. So I had pineapple upside down cake. Anybody like that? It was so good. All right. But this big for me. Okay. And then she made a like a Texas sheet cake, but it was. It had Coca-Cola in it. She has this whole recipe book. It's all Coca-Cola stuff. Sauce, steaks, the whole nine yards. Amazing. So she makes this whole thing for me. And then she makes peanut butter cookies. And she's going to make me a, a caramel pecan cheesecake. And I said, Mom, stop. One of me. That's it. I cannot eat all of this. And I remember sitting down at my mom's table. And all of a sudden having flashback. 
and and remembering there was a day when I was just a little boy sitting at that table and my mom was feeding me. And I thought about it some more and I remembered it being a teenager and my mom not being able to feed me enough. And then I remember going away to college and saying goodbye at 17. And then getting married and then having children. And then all of a sudden, man, this week I had a whole nother like post-midlife crisis or something because at 4.26 a.m. on Thursday, my granddaughter was born. And, uh, hey, geez, I'm more emotional about it than my wife. But anyway, uh, my, my granddaughter's born, and, and all of a sudden I go, oh, my goodness. I had this flashback. I remember the night that my daughter Bethany was born. And I remember holding her in my arms. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, my goodness, the little girl who I held in my arms is now holding in her arms her own daughter. And all of a sudden I thought, I really am a grandfather. I'm getting old. But here's the deal. Life goes so fast because it seems like it was just yesterday that I was a little boy sitting at the table eating the dinner my mom had prepared. It was just yesterday I was in school. It was just yesterday I got married. It was just yesterday I had children. It was just yesterday. But you know what? Life goes by in a blink. When I was a kid, about eight, nine years old, I lay down in the grass and if my body became to the star and moon and all that, that was a good life. But today, my God, the life goes like a bullet, too fast. One day to another, look like one hour. But now since I've been older, different something. What would you tell this new generation about life? To give love and respect. Not all day, every day, but at least twice a week to your mother and father, especially mother. I turned on the evening news and saw an old man being interviewed. Turning a hundred and two today. Asked him what's the secret to lie He looked up from his old pipe Laughed and said all I could say is Don't blink Just like that you're six years old And you take a nap And you wake up and you're 25 Then your high school sweetheart becomes your wife Don't blink just might miss your baby's growing like mine did Turning into moms and dads Next thing you know You better have a 50 years is there in bed And you pray and God takes you instead Trust me, friend A hundred years goes faster than you think So don't Start putting first things first Cause when your hourglass runs out of sand You can't rip it over and start again Take every breath God gives you for what it's worth 
all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Remember last week we looked at the, at the Good Samaritan and Jesus linked eternal life with loving God with your whole being and loving others. Jesus lived that way, didn't he? He loved his father with everything, with every ounce of his strength. And he loved other people. He was constantly giving. That's the definition of love, to give away. He was constantly loving those who were around him, even his enemies. Even his enemies. Let's all read that passage together. Matthew chapter 22 to get it in our hearts. Ready? Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that you only had 30 days left to live. Students, if you knew... You only had one month left to live. Would it change how you love your parents? Would it change how you love your siblings? Would it change how you love the people around you? Moms and dads, if you knew that you only had 30 days left to live, would it change how you, live, how you love your kids? Those of you who are married, if you only had a month left to live, would it change how you love your spouse? If you only had one month to live, would it change how you love your friends, your neighbors? I think it would. I know it would me. And what we're trying to do is learn to live every day for however long we're going to live. Whether it's a really, really long time or whether our lives on God's schedule is going to go more quickly. We need to learn to love the people around us as though it were the last time they are going to see us. Now, think about this. If everybody in this room right now walked out of this place and said, from now on, I am going to love God in worship, and I am going to love others as though it were my last 30 days on earth. Do you think that could spark a revival around us? I do. I do. If we were to love that way, what's stopping us from doing that? What's stopping us from doing that? There shouldn't be anything except ourselves. Let's just make up our mind in this series that when it's all over with, we are going to be a radically different church than a lot of other churches. I hope they'll be radical too, but we are going to be bound to determine to be known as the church that loves. That loves God passionately and that loves others. And that's why we're introducing the Compassion Ministry. Amen? All right, let's move on to the third principle. I want to talk about the third principle. Jesus learned humbly. Jesus learned humbly. So, you know, why did Jesus have to learn anything? It's, wasn't he the son of God? And, and what is it he had to learn so humbly? I am so glad you asked. So turn over to Philippians chapter 2 with me, and let's answer that question. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, verse 5 and, and through 8. Paul writes this passage, a great passage, about our Lord Jesus Christ is coming to earth, becoming a, a human being like us. It says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. In other words, think the way Jesus thought. And here's how he thought. Who being in the very nature God, he is God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He, he became embodied, encapsulated in a human body. He restricted himself in a human body. 
It says he humbled himself, ah, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why don't you read that passage to the Lord this morning? You must have. All right, now over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, there's just one more verse I want to add to that. And it goes like this. I'm going to give you a start in verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one, that's his father, who could save him from death. In other words, Jesus, in his humanity, was both God and man at the same time. In his humanity, felt the pressure of the cross, of the impending suffering that was coming. He's crying out to his father. And then it says, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. In other words, Jesus became obedient to suffering. He became obedient to the cross. He became obedient to fulfilling the will of the father, which is The will that all should be saved and none should be lost. For God so loved the world, finish it with me, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Jesus became obedient to. Say, well, how does that relate to my life? Anybody here ever have a problem? Let me see your hand. Anybody here ever have a trial? Anybody here ever face any suffering? All of us have. All of us do, right? And I don't know if you know this or not, but your troubles and your trials and your suffering can either move you to God or away from God. It depends on what you do with it. Jesus allowed all the challenges he faced, like in the wilderness temptation or at Gethsemane in the garden, he allowed all of that to move him to the Father to to reveal the very character of God in his life. This is no Mamby Pamby series we're going to do here, all right? I'm not going to get up and smile at you every weekend and say you can have a great life and a positive life and be problem free. I want you to have a great life. I want you to have a positive life. But we face problems. That's reality. What I want to happen in the next 30 days is I want us to answer the question, what am I going to do in my troubles? Will I allow them to move me to God so that others see God in me or move me away from God? And I've known some saints, haven't you, in the past who've gone through trials, difficulties, and I saw more of Jesus in them through those trials and difficulties than at any other time. God uses problems in our life. Sometimes they're a blessing in disguise to move us toward him, to reveal him to the people who are around us. And I can think of individuals right now who've gone through tremendous suffering but have allowed it to move them to Christ, and they have ministered to me in volume. I have honestly seen Jesus in them. Will you allow the troubles and problems in your life to reveal Jesus in you? If you only had 30 days left in your life, I think you'd look at your problems and troubles differently. You know that? I think you'd look at them as an opportunity to stand up and live for Christ. Because you know what you'd be doing? You'd be sitting there saying, I only got 30 days left to deal with this problem. And I'm going home. And that's the attitude we ought to take when we, hear, 
when we have problems here on this earth. You know what? Those problems, they're only going to last for a little while. And then I'm going home. I'm not going to let those problems drive me from God. I'm going to let them move me toward God and glorify him. One more principle. Write this down. We're going to look at. And time has already run out on somebody over here. Principle number four. Jesus left boldly. Jesus left boldly. I love that. Because I want to leave boldly, don't you? Turn over to one more passage, Luke chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And here's the word of the Lord in that passage. It says, as the time approached for him, that's Jesus. Luke 9, 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Can we read it aloud together for the New Living Translation? It's on the screen. As the... How did he set out for Jerusalem? With resolve, with conviction. Why? Because he was bound and determined to go to the cross to fulfill the will of his Father. He did not go to the cross to please his enemies. He didn't go to the cross to please his disciples. He didn't go to the cross to please himself. He went to the cross to fulfill the Father's will. He was performing. He was ministering. He was submitting to an audience of one, God. That was it. There are so many forces that pull on your life, aren't there? Kids, parents, spouses, friends, bosses, churches. All kinds of forces constantly pulling your life. There are a thousand different people. There are so many groups that would like you to please them. I've got good news for you. You don't have to please anybody except the Father in heaven. And to live boldly, to leave boldly, is to leave with that sense that I only live for the audience of one. And I am going to please the audience of one. I'm going to live for him. And I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave fulfilling his will. If you only had 30 days left to live, how would you live differently than you're living right now? We're going to talk about that in that message. About living a life that is pleasing and honoring to God that fulfills His will for us. Because God is watching. God is watching. And He's waiting for us to live our lives for Him. For Him. To give our best for Him. I heard a story about a young man. This may be an apocryphal story. It may be true. I don't know. I couldn't find out. But it's a powerful story about a young man. It was his senior year in high school. Any seniors over there at all? It's a senior year in high school. And uh, he was on the football team. But he was second string. Anybody know anything about that? All right. He was second string. The only time he got to play was uh, when there was a kickoff. And then only if his team was way ahead. He was a linebacker. And on the last game of his senior year, he went into the locker room and he said to his coach, Coach, I have to play this game. Coach, you must allow me to play this game. Coach, you got to let me play this game. Now, he was like a lot of the other boys. His dad would come to the football games and cheer for him. But his dad was different from a lot of the other dads because his dad was blind. So his dad would come not even be able to see his son playing on the field. And we'd just cheer. We'd just cheer for his son. And so this boy's telling his coach, you've got to let me play. And the coach has been ignoring him and, and, and kind of 
you know, push him away and saying, I can't, I won't. And finally the kid just nags the coach so much, the coach says, all right, if you'll stop, I will let you play the first series of downs. All right? Yes, coach. So the game starts and the defense goes on the field. And sure enough, he's out there playing the first series of downs. The offense calls the play, and he busts through the offensive line, and he, he just hammers the quarterback into the grass. Second down. He busts through the line, and he grabs the fullback, and he hammers him down to the ground. Third down, fourth down. He stays in the whole game and has over 20 tackles, one of the best games a linebacker in high school's ever played. As the victorious team is coming off the field, the coach grabs him by the face mask and says, Son, What got into you? That's the best high school game I've ever seen for a linebacker. And the young man looks at his coach and he says, well, coach, you you know, my dad comes to every game, right? And the coach goes, yeah, yeah, I know your dad comes. He goes, well, you know, my, my, my dad is blind, right, coach? And the coach goes, yes, I know all about that. He says, well, last night my dad died. And this is the first game he has ever seen. And that's why I played the way I played tonight. I played it for my dad. And that's, that's how it should be for you and me. Our father is watching us play this game called life. And we ought to play this game with that sense that the father's watching. And I want to please him. Would you bow your heads this morning? You know, before we get started in this series... Maybe there's somebody here this morning who's never, ever asked Jesus in their hearts or you're unsure, confused. You know, I would love you to go through this series with us with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can have that this morning by, by a simple prayer and acknowledging to the Lord that, that you're unsure or that you don't have him in your heart. And if you're willing to let go of your life the way it's been and embrace Him in your life, repent of your sins and embrace Him, He will come in, He'll infuse His Spirit into you and you can be a changed person. And so this morning, I'd love to give you an opportunity to pray and receive Christ. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus in my heart. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand really high. And I'm going to pray a prayer that you can pray right where you are with me. I had the joy last service of, of seeing a lady come to Christ. And it was so awesome. Anybody here? I can't always tell with the lights. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you raise your hand, would you pray this silently with me? Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I confess to you that I am a sinner. That I am unsure of my eternal destiny. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, Father. And I want to accept his forgiveness. So please put your spirit in my heart. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ has come into your life. And when our service is over, would you do like, uh, like Jamie did the last service and come to the guest center, shake my hand, and say, I prayed that prayer. That's what she said to me with tears in her eyes. I prayed that prayer. What a joy it was for her and for me. And if that's, if that's what you did, come and say that. Let me encourage you, okay? Well, this is going to be a great series. I hope you'll be here every weekend. I want you to commit to three things. 
Number one, I want you to commit to living every day the next 30 days as though it were the last day of your life, okay? Secondly, if you've gotten the book, all right, One Month to Live, I want you to read those chapters. So 30 chapters, so you can read one a day. We just ran out of books this morning. We'll have more here next weekend, so you won't be far behind. You can pick them up, okay? Like 10 bucks. And then the last thing is get into a small group. It's not too late, because in the small groups, we're going to unpack it further. We have ones that meet on campus, off campus. If you go back to what was the book table, one month to live back there, you can sign up for a small group, all right? And then be here every weekend and bring somebody with you. Amen? Do you love God this morning? Yeah. He loves you more than you love Him. I want you to know that. And He'll never stop loving you. When you're faithless, He is what? Faithful. Can you say it all together? Faithful. Faithful. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand together. If you'd like the Lord to just bless you in a special way this morning, would you raise your hands toward Him? Lord, we raise our hand towards you. And the blessing I would ask you to impart to this crowd is the blessing of hope. Infuse their minds, infuse their hearts with hope to know a better day is coming. To know that someday we are going to be with you. We look forward to that day. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be in a hundred. It could be in a hundred days. We know someday if we have Jesus in our heart, we'll be with you. May that hope abide in our hearts. For we ask it and we commit this series to you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Hey, enjoy the cookies. If you're a guest, I got a gift for you in the guest center.